Are you an owl? Hoot. Oh, don't start. We can all be animals on the podcast if we want to be. <laughs> Why would we? <laughs> Why would we take that like from It's like an hour-long episode of us just going like... <laughs> <laughs> no, only one of us at a time. Oh. And what do you like going? You so, know Samantha, what? you were meant to be researching this, weren't you? Like, ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> Doing like a. What? <laughs> a sign here's fireback. Excellent. Peacock sound. It's like. <laughs> it's like a really weird sound. Do they make a weird noise? It's a weird oh. fucking noise. Should we look it up? Go listen. In the first Seahorse album, there's a peacock sample in one of the instrumentals. Really? Yeah. I remember that now, and it is a weird noise. And it's right on like a, it's on the drop of a. Oh, <laughs> a that's great. Yeah, capybaras make weird noises. Capybaras. I've, I've never actually thought about what sound a capybara would make. Yeah, they don't make. They make like a. It's it's like a hop sound, is what it's it's like phonetically spelled out, but hop. it's it's more of like a more like an inward scream. <laughs> 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 oh, short it's short though. It's such a rich sound. <laughs> it's so short. <laughs> Well, I've never seen a creature so. Like, oh, That's wow. more of a oh pig. <laughs> but it's like this is just going to be us doing animal noises. Yeah, this is that. Okay, good. I love that you could do that. You could turn that into like an improv game, where it's like without you can't repeat an animal, and you just go around the circle, and somebody has to make an animal noise, and you can't repeat an animal. You got to keep going. That'd be fun. That would be difficult. You do I that on know. luck sometimes. I, I yeah. don't know that many animals, and I'm not very good at making voices, which is why I leave it up to the two of you. Yeah, like we're gonna we'll get around, and one of us will do pig, and it'll just be game over. Yeah, I'm <laughs> like, <laughs> oh fuck, I can't think, can't think of anything that's not a pig. <laughs> the idea that we'd have a fourth a hypothetical member of the group that would be the animal as well. It's like I'm joined by our fourth member of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> why would you name the animal that? It's not a was, fucking, it's in its own language. It's like a Pokemon. <laughs> He's being it's like, respectful. The, the animal is a Pokemon. It's named after the sound that it makes. Oh, God. <laughs> All because it just called the pig scream. I'm so sorry, Dale, your Because I don't study everything. It's but it's the music and it's the, it's not the studied everything. <laughs> it's the music. <laughs> it's not the read books I mean, and everything. I, I, like I do want to talk about the name because I do think music and everything. I can't do everything. Like, I, can't do, I just want to say that like I'm not going to do everything. Look. Okay. <laughs> well, someone's going to clean this up, and it's not going to be me. Okay. Look, I can't. Sam and I are a two-person team. Be the only one. But we together <laughs> cannot do everything. No, we can't. That's why we need the three of us. I think it's exactly. So the, we'll rename the podcast to. Uh, the music and uh, some things. Most things. <laughs> Almost some all stuff. things. The music, the music in gradually more things. <laughs> <laughs> some stuff. Some stuff. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Music and Everything podcast. Season two begins. We never thought we'd make it this far. Congratulations <laughs> to all of us. We're great. So are you. Uh, <laughs> what are we talking about today? Can't remember. 
We are talking about... Oh, yeah. Hang on. Let me, let me lose into this. <laughs> I had stuff prepared and then it left my brain. Uh, we should first keep of all, all of this in. <laughs> yeah. No, it is. None of this is getting edited. You can't fucking censor me, Sam. You can't change the past. You can't. <laughs> we just have to move forward. Speaking of which, we now have a Patreon, which we're very excited about uh, because coffee costs money and uh, microphones cost money and any support you could give us would be awesome. Uh, so if you head to patreon.com slash T-M-I-E podcast, if you want to become one of the patrons of everything, just hit us up there. Uh, and that'd be really nice. Thanks very much. Uh, you don't have to, though. You can just keep listening and ignore our pleas for your assistance. <laughs> <laughs> we'll keep making stuff. So yeah, that's big news. Stuff we've been working on uh, in between the two seasons and it is wonderful to be back. And Ironically, we realized that in the first season of the Music and Everything podcast, we never covered music once. So we thought we'd kick off season two with the topic broadly of music itself. Welcome, Sam. You're wearing the hat. I am wearing the hat and my goodness me, it is a heavy burden today <laughs> because... Do you want to start off by describing what's currently in front of you right now? Yeah, like you I need probably to should. Like, you need to explain this situation so, for the people that can't see because we don't have a visual element to our um, podcast. Uh, you know, Sam and I are traditional in a sen- one sense and that is that we use paper notes um, and it's, there's good reason for that because when you're speaking on the mic, it's very handy to be able to flip through stuff. Okay. Also, it's really satisfying. Listen to that sound. Yeah. Sexy. So ordinarily we've got a few pages of of notes. Uh, In this case, I've got about seven to eight. I don't actually know. They're sort of stacked in front of me, but that's not really the... This is like, it's so, it's (laughs) like you, we're lucky this isn't on a wall with red string is my point. Yeah. Uh, The most unusual part is that it's on top of a glockenspiel, (laughs) nearly called it a xylophone. Yeah. Xylophones are wooden and glockenspiels are metal. And I should know this by now. Okay. That's the first thing we learned today. (laughs) That's the first thing we learned. Glockenspiels are metal. Because it's a type of metophone. Metallophone. 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 It is metallophonic. (laughs) That's just how you call Lars Ulrich. (laughs) (laughs) On the metallophone. (laughs) Don't know what that reference is. It's a Metallica reference. It's a drama from Metallica. It's quite funny. Really showing my age. Such as it is. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. So I have a lot of things <clears throat> in front of me. It is a heavy burden to carry this hat, and that's because uh, the whole purpose of this <laughs> the podcast. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> so the whole purpose of this podcast is to, you know, to find the kind of spark of joy and curiosity and, and wonder and, and purpose that we find in music and finding that in other stuff and stuff often that we wouldn't think we would find it in. So to do that with music is sort of funny because it's the other way around. We are literally doing the everything in music, um, which is definitely a joke that will make more sense as we go along. Ha ha ha. Ha ha ha. And also good. Now, um, so I just want to say first and foremost, um, we can't do this topic justice and we won't. <laughs> and, <laughs> That's good. Let's lower expectations. <laughs> I refuse uh, to commit to that. Um, it is an impossibly large topic. And the reason is, is because it's a big part of what it means to be a human being. So <laughs> it's like, like a I love it. Like the minute you start there. doing research and you're like, oh, fuck. No, it's that like, was literally it's our doing experience. like a, a, an episode on quantum physics. So just go, yeah, this will be f- fine. <laughs> no one knows. Zero people know. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, like, music has had so many different meanings to humans, obviously, mm-hmm. um, and for so long <laughs> that it's kind of almost inseparable. Like, if you look at any point in history, um, there, there's music. If you look at any culture in the world, there's music. Um, and pretty much any person in the world, an individual person, mm-hmm. music has some sort of personal or cultural or social relevance. So 
you know, where we go from that is, well, that's that's up to the three of us, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, we're, we're going to unpack this one today, guys. I'm going to put a full stop on the music sentence. Yeah, like we're going to decide what is music and what is good music today. Oh, what is good music? <laughs> oh, that is a very different question. Just kidding. Um, Just yeah, so, oh my God. <laughs> I mean, I guess the first thing we can talk about is, is how diverse music is. Um, because, I mean, like, you know, in our contemporary music, like if you open up Spotify and... Can you shuffle the whole of Spotify, by the way? I've just all we don't, have, we don't have Spotify, so we don't. No, know. I don't think so because there's the like the algorithm is involved because it's trying to feed you what you what it says you like. Yeah, because uh. shuffle <laughs> is actually a lie because computers can't actually create true random numbers oh. of spontaneity. This isn't uh, that episode. We're not doing that. We'll, uh, we'll do that later. <laughs> yeah. So okay, but if you did shuffle Spotify, it would be the most glorious insanity mm. and. That would just be limited to pretty much like 20th and 21st century music. It would be like, okay, let's jump from the Beatles to uh, psychedelic ethio jazz um, to... Which is a genre, as it turns out. It is. It's actually really cool as well. Mm-hmm. Um, just, you've never heard it before? I mean, to be honest, we don't even need to shuffle Spotify. We just need to shuffle the things you've saved <laughs> yeah. because your music taste is very diverse. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you know, those algorithms trying to feed me what... I want with music really struggle because <laughs> it's just like, but I thought you liked corn, but now I but you're listening to Ethio Jazz now and I, I don't know what to do with this. Uh, yeah. Or um, like it can't nail down my very specific niche pop interest. It, like it's like, oh you like Ariana Grande, you must like all of this. And I'm like, no. No, I don't. No. I don't. Of course I don't. First of all, you how idiot. dare you come to me with this weak shit? <laughs> like what I find with the with the uh like uh the algorithm and, and the kind of cause I, for a while there I was just like in this kick of like, I don't want to hear anything I've ever heard before ever again. (laughs) Everything must be new and at all times fresh. Uh, So I was listening to the sort of discover playlist that Spotify gives you, which is just basically based on your previous listening. It just goes like, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I'm sure there's equivalent things on other platforms as well. But um, what what I realized is that it started feeding itself Because it was playing me these random things based on a couple of ideas that it had had about me. Yeah. And then the more I listened to those, because it, it was giving me these recommendations, the more it funneled its way to something very specific through the yep. Discover playlist. So it was just like, you listen to all of this, you must like this. It was like, no, you just played that for me. So it was just like <laughs> the, the algorithm deciding what it liked gradually over <laughs> time, kind of thing, which I found was quite funny. Its music yeah. taste is developing quite nicely. Yeah, um, I'm really worried. I mean... <laughs> And like obviously, like we are, as a Western, like in Australia, we listen to a lot of Western music. Yeah, I and mean, you've exposed yourself deliberately to sort of other cultural musics, and obviously you come from yeah. like being raised around like Celtic traditional music as yeah. well, and like Irish music and things like that. But there's a lot of music that I think a lot of people don't expose themselves to that they don't really know exists at all. Yeah. Particularly in the because it doesn't space. really help help me party. Like. Yeah, because like you can't like uns 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 to it. <laughs> I actually had that conversation with someone once, you know. It was like, it was just, you know, we were talking about music tastes. It wasn't like, you know how you expect, you know, you know the guy who brings the acoustic guitar to a party? Mm. Mm-hmm. I try not to be that guy. Mm. <laughs> uh, that guy pisses me off. Um, but it's like, so it wasn't one of those conversations, but it just sort of came up. We ended up talking about music. And, you know, I was talking about, you know, the genres of stuff that I like. It's all very kind of like storytelling, moody, emotional kind of stuff. And the response that I got back was just like, yeah, but that stuff doesn't really help me party. And I thought that was a really, like that sentence so has stuck with me forever. Because at first, like I was much younger at this point. So it was like, I was being mm. super fucking judgmental in my head. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and petty, but, at the same, but now it's just, it's a curiosity that it's just like listening to music for me, I listen 
to music from the ground up. I experience mm -hmm. it from my through my whole fucking body. And the thing that I pursue in music is like emotional frisson. If I chase goosebumps in music and if you don't fucking give me them, you're not doing your job. So it's like, <laughs> I, you know, that's, that's the way that I listen to music. And I know that that is just not what everyone does. And realizing that was like a, a eye-opening thing for me that some people literally just put music on in the background because it helps them party. Yeah, well, it's really true because... Um like you don't realize, like if you're if you're an avid music listener, you probably don't realize that not everyone is like that. And I I had a really similar thing where I'd like always listen to music as a as a sort of personal and emotional thing. Mm, it's like, mm -hmm. and you listen for the art itself. You you're obsessed with one particular album or something. Um, and then um, you encounter people who are just music is just something they don't care about. And it's in the background, and they say, "Oh, you're a bit of a music fan. You're a bit of a music nut, sort of thing." And I'm like, "What do you mean? What do you fucking mean? <laughs> like, it's this literally this throbbing <laughs> pulse of energy that passes from all humans to all other humans. Like, it's like saying, "Are you a fan of shelter <laughs> and and food? Oh, you're a bit yeah. of a bloody calories man, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> you enjoy eating food, yeah." <laughs> But no, One in, of those aqua guys, <laughs> but like, which is also a band <laughs> responsible for Barbie Girl. Oh, right. Okay. Oh, aqua. Yeah. Yes. Fucking no. go on. I love aqua. Do you though? Yeah, I do. Does actually. it help you party exactly? Um, it... No, we like to party. Helps me party. Ah. <laughs> was, that, was that aqua or Venga Boys? That Are was... we back on the fucking Venga Boys again? <laughs> They're touring this doing year, Jim. I know. We are promoting the Venga Boys. I love it too because, <laughs> like, like, I, I think I have. We were talking about this last night. My music taste is so profoundly boiled in the 2000s that I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not ashamed. And yet you should be. Uh, and I'm not. It was, yeah, it was an interesting time. It was a great time. Yeah. I had such a good time. So like, yeah, so what we're basically talking about is music is something artistic and personal or music is something very functional. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing wrong with either of those because those both stretch back to the, you know, before yeah, human beings. Music yeah, music for partying is something that's been happening <laughs> yeah. since yeah. music began. Like the need for uh, vibes. The beats. Vibes. Yeah, yeah. It's, just like, it's literally vibes. And like, I, to be honest, a lot of the time I listen to music nowadays, it's also for vibes. Not always like helping me party, which is not a thing. It's oh, helped you <laughs> much, but... Uh, no. Oh, yes, but, like, darling. Uh, uh, welcome to the party. Uh, it's, it's just the two of us again. You know, uh, like, <laughs> I got my little playlist that's like, oh, writing playlist and it's often soundtracks because I discovered working on something I actually like tense music so all these modern soundtracks are on mm. there and I'm not really listening to them they are actually it is a very functional use of music I'm thinking of it it's like I just need vibe right now I need sound yeah around me um, I was thinking before, like when I clean at the house or, or I do sort of anything that requires me to kind of, because I, I tend to clean in like a, a hurricane spiral um, around the room, just doing like one thing in one area and then working my way around and spiraling and down. There's a clump of things. dust at the center that you just punch at the end. <laughs> yeah, and just stomp on it. But it's just like, I can't focus on like one thing enough to get that task done before I move on to the next. So I have to kind of like jump from one to the other. But if I put music on, Mm. and like slam loud music in, I can focus on this thing and get that done and then focus on the next thing and focus on whatever. And um, I don't think that's a vibe thing. That's just a switching off a active part of my brain, you know. And it, yeah. when I write music as well, I tend to do a lot of that writing in the car because I, I'll listen to demos, I'll listen to stuff that we've put down and I'll sing to myself while driving and kind of write stuff. And then when I stop, I'm just like, fuck, I've got to write this down. And often the best stuff happens there because I'm not sitting at home kind of drill something out mm. kind of, you know. Um, I mean, I, of course I can still do that, but it's just, it feels really natural when I'm distracted by something else. So I, I think that plays a big part in that actually. Yes, I mean, obviously that's a big context to our conversation is that you are a professional musician. Um, you so to speak, it. yes. <laughs> 
Um, and I such as it is. Um, I was also a musician for a long time, and I was in a band, and wrote songs and stuff. So and, and I studied I at the played come. some instruments Yay. at one point in yes. my life. <laughs> so to varying extents, we've made music. Um, and that's, I have that's, simply played other people's music. I have never constructed my own music. <laughs> that's definitely a context that's important as well in terms of understanding where we're coming from as well. Mm. Um, you know, I'm coming from a place where like I haven't really played music in a long time, but I have a really strong relation to it, but relationship to it as a result of having kind of done it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But it also implies that you kind of have a need to musically express. Mm. You know, I often think if I was going to describe the kind of motivation behind Caligula's horse stuff, because like, People, um, uh, f- fucking boomers, uh, tend to kind of like think of when, if they're being judgmental about you and what you do, mm. which they do. Um, you know, the, the amount of, when I was younger, the amount of like house parties I went <laughs> to where it's like, you know, a, a friend's parents going like, oh, you're still doing your music and, and that kind of thing. <laughs> and all, all their like mm. probably pointed curiosity to, to be critical of what you're doing is driven by the assumption that they have that the reason you're in a band is because you think you're going to be the next big thing. You know, it's like, oh, you want to be this fucking superstar. You want to be this rock star. And it's like, it's quite simply not that because mm, I wouldn't yeah. have chosen progressive metal without the case. <laughs> without the case. Um, and I would also like, you know, I, I wouldn't, but for me, songwriting is like, it is a necessity. Mm. It is something that is in me. It's just, it happens, you know? And I always feel like I've forgotten how to write songs. And then the next kind of album comes through and I get caught up in it and the emotion of it carries me and the stories that I want to tell carry me because I have this shit in me for better mm. or worse. And that's, it is a need that I have to express that. Yeah, so that's, that's like an important part of the music story as well because we've been talking about, oh, music is this, already we've been talking about it as a personal and cultural thing. Mm. But then also musicians throughout time have like had an urge to create music. Um, and it hasn't always been like this sort of like um, songwriter or like, you know, picture your classical composer or something. It's not always like that. The lines between what a musician is in society blurs if everybody plays the drum. Mm. But, you know, the, for some people, there's an, an urge to express themselves in music that doesn't this, or express something in music maybe that um, other people don't maybe share. And that may be where innovation happens. So rather than like, for example, because I really admire, say, for example, orchestral musicians or, um, you know, that kind of thing where it's like you're a violinist and you're a mm. virtuoso and stuff. And, and the, these, these people are amazing. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're like, they're unreal. And then it's so far removed from my experience because like we get up on stage and we play all of our stuff from memory and, yeah. you know, with this outward energetic kind of performance that is about, you know, catharsis and mm-hmm. communication between us and the audience. And a more like orchestral approach is they sit down, they flick through the pages of their music and they play and they mm-hmm. just do the thing and you sit there and you appreciate it because it's fucking amazing. Um, but it is so different yeah. from uh, what I do that it's kind of like I, I feel like innovation comes from people that aren't doing that and it's due to that need to kind of say something. Because mm. one of the things that whenever I'm writing lyrics for a song, the first thing that I do, like at the top of the page, is I literally write the words, what are you trying to say? Mm. Because I keep coming back to that. Because sometimes you just, you up your own ass with what you've just written and you're sort of like down the rabbit hole of your own ass. And, um, <laughs> so and, to speak. So um, to speak. And, and you kind of, you, you look at what you've done and you're like, oh, I've just followed this train of thought and I'm just making words now. I'm just putting words in spaces and I scroll back up. What am I trying to say? And you look at the beginning and you're like, okay, this is the fundament of the story that I'm going to do and this is how I'm going to tie it together. Um, but it is, I, I feel like it is through that honesty and that, again, need to kind of go, I have to get this fucking thing out of me. Mm. Um, the innovation and different stuff happens. And I, I think, you know, even if you're talking about like tribal music and stuff, which I'm sure we're going to get to at some point, like 
the innovation and change of that is somebody not just doing the thing, but going like, ooh, we could yeah. X, you know? And that's not always a popular thing as well. I mean, like most really big musical innovations like created backlash, um, even ones that we see as not that big a leap, um, like stuff the Beatles did, for example. Mm. Um, but, you know, like I like the example of Stravinsky right. in the orchestral context, like Stravinsky's Rite, Rite of Spring. Um, Can you hum who a few is, bars? Who was who was Stravinsky? <laughs> a composer, and you're testing my knowledge off the dome. But yeah, Stra- no, I just shit. I feel like like where is where was he from? What's his back? Like you is know, is his first name uh, Igor? That's fucking sick. Um, like, is he German? Is he? <sighs> please Google that. Um, <laughs> but yes, we're talking early 20th century, um, yeah. and this is an era where um, still in orchestral music. Um, like harmony that sounds nice to the ear, you know. His first is, name is Eagle. Fuck there yeah, you go. Crushed it. You probably knew that already. Yeah, well, <laughs> he, clearly he's subconsciously. He's Russian, yeah. He's yeah, Russian so, like yeah. the other guy that we really like. Um, Prokofiev. Yeah, yes, Prokofiev. Yeah, Russian brutalism. Yeah, Fucking love that shit. <laughs> early 20th century stuff. But um, it was so savagely brutal in its arrangement with all this close dissonance mm. and frightening imagery in the music yeah. um, that people like basically rioted. The first time it was played in a theater... Um, people like got up and yelled and they got out because they were so stressed. Because can you imagine hearing that for the first time? It was the equivalent of just like Meshuggah coming up and just like... <laughs> yeah, it's like it was, it was <laughs> early 20th century I mean, Did death he metal. get his like intended effect? Like it's literally called the rites of spring and it's like the most metal thing you've ever heard. And he's like, people just like went off and I'm like, cool, good. Like, and there's just one dude in the front just like, fuck yeah! <laughs> Yeah. One guy's just been waiting for this his whole life. <laughs> like, like, why is this making so much such sense? Such catharsis. You know, like yeah. woman in the fourth row just windmilling her hair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. I do love Russian composers, actually. It's like Tchaikovsky. Oh, very different. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, very fruity alternative to that. But isn't that interesting that like stuff like that is just in the community consciousness as well? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Those are big hits. It's yeah, like, the, it's like she loves you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The big hits never die. <laughs> it's like Beethoven's uh, fifth. fifth. You think it? <laughs> I was like, shit. I just forgot it. <laughs> be- yeah, Beethoven's fifth record was absolute. Absolute. Uh, I prefer his earliest. <laughs> <laughs> it was too polished. Uh, Beethoven's six is actually really underrated. <laughs> <laughs> Can I uh, ask you what the fuck we're talking about? Yeah, so um, before this podcast um, episode started, um, before we began this, whatever this is. I don't um, remember uh, that time. uh, The three of us were listening to a bunch of um, different kinds of traditional music on YouTube. Um, And the reason is because we wanted to play little clips of it and stuff, but we realized that um, our country's copyright law is very strict. um, And there's probably good reasons for that, but the long and short of it is that we can't play those for you. Um, Which is hilarious to me because the thing is I could try and hum a few bars, but it would just sound racist. So I'm not going to do it. <laughs> also, like, I don't think that you'd actually be able to create some of the sounds. Yeah, I don't know if I can imitate a sitar effectively yeah. necessarily. <laughs> so, like, um, earlier we already brought up um, Irish folk music. And, like, if you're talking about these musical contrasts and, like, there's points between cultures where music can be just totally unintelligible. And throughout history that's happened, obviously, many, many times um, as different cultures have met each other. And... So to, as a sort of demonstration of um, how different music can be across cultures, like you just think about Irish folk music for a second. So I'm thinking I, about it and I'm excited yeah. because it's sick. Um, now, if you don't know much about Irish traditional music, maybe just uh, look up the band The Chieftains. They're one of the most successful Irish groups yeah. um, and pretty iconic. Yeah, And um, we, we grew up on that. Show, yeah, so. we, we did. Especially like the, Raised on that, would you say? 
Yeah, that one. Yeah, boil the breakfast early. Boil the breakfast um, early. And like when a man's in love, which is just like. Yeah, that one's in my blood. I think. Yeah, that's just, that's just in you. And it's, like, it's like a, a all the music that uh, you or I have ever made. <laughs> so um, yeah, so like you know what we're hearing is we're hearing, you know, it's familiar sort of Western melodies in a way because we've got. Um, eight possible notes that you can sing in in a, in, a, in a melody, right? So, oh, there's a glockenspiel. Holy Goodness fuck. me. Goodness me. It's almost like we I mean, prepared. if you talk to Jacob Collier, he'll tell you there are way more notes than that. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> any note over any chord is fine. Even if it's not on the piano. <laughs> you could do whatever you please. Um, Jacob, I don't, I don't think I can. Um, so <laughs> this is the point where like... Um, it can be really easy to be confused if you if you don't if you're not sure about musical terms. So a scale is what we call just a series of notes that are available to you when you sing a song. Mm-hmm. And so those melodies that I just sang are in a particular scale. And obviously you've got like here's a major scale, which I hope you hear on this glockenspiel. Doesn't that sound nice? Come in. <laughs> <laughs> the longest door time of all time. <laughs> My doorbell just it plays all of Smash Mouth's All Star. <laughs> And I don't open the door till it's fucking done. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Why is that a major scale? Why is it a major scale? Mm. 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 That's a longer question and I'm probably going to get to it. (laughs) Okay. But not now. (laughs) Um, But not yet. But because we call it a major scale, let's just say it's also called Ionian, I think, but that doesn't matter. It's called a major scale and it's very familiar to us. Um, One of the things I just sung is in... That's in a Mixolydian scale, mixolydian mode of that, which sounds like this. Which is sick. It's great. It's really nice It sounding. just throws you right at the end there. Um, and, um, and as well as that, you've got um, the Dorian mode, mm-hmm. um, f- which is also sung a lot in Irish music as well, which is... Yeah, that's the, the Dorian mode. But so like these are examples of different like approaches to your typical eight note scale. And that's like, again, we're talking about Western music here because it gets a lot more confusing uh, elsewhere compared to the music that we kind of, mm. uh, is where our culture is sort of steeped in. But um, yeah, like, I, think, I think the simplest way of looking at it, you know, if you're learning music for the first time, like as a kid in, you know, Western culture, it's you talk about your major scale, any minor scale, major's the happy one, minor's the sad <laughs> one. And I kind of did a test. It was really funny. I did a test on my eldest when she was much younger. I sat at the piano. I'm just like, played a, just a triad, just played a like major triad. I'm just like, and I just asked her to describe whether the chord was sad or happy. And she nailed it every single time. Well, she's a genius. Without any, she's <laughs> not. Um, <laughs> just like, but the, the, like, without prompting the tone of each of those, when given, the only prompt being like, is it happy or sad? Every time major happy, every time minor sad. Mm. It's just fascinating. Those are just your fingernails. I don't think anyone is going to get up here. <laughs> He's trying to play the glockenspiel like a piano. It's very- I don't have three mallets, how you guys. Um, yeah, so and then you compare that. So in India, in Indian classical music tradition, um, which goes back a very long way, um, it has a totally different approach. Right, so you've still got this like, um, eight notes that you can use, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's sort of the, the basis of a lot of the scales. 
um, called a diatonic or heptatonic scale. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so eight notes that you can use, mm -hmm. but beneath that are, uh, is a 22 note scale. And that's because in Western harmony, um, this, this interval here, a semitone. It's as close as, as it gets. Yeah, that's as close as you can get. Yeah. Uh, but And when you play those together, it sounds like this. Give me the sticks. <laughs> give, me the, give, me the, give me the freaking sticks. It sounds like this. Yeah, baby. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it can be nasty sounding to our ear. Um, I think it sounds awesome. Uh, thank you, Jacob Collier. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's you know, a 22 note scale. Basically, there's, there's uh, a, a different um, level of detail you can get because between that semitone, there's another note. Mm. Or another and couple of notes. Another couple of notes. Now, you might be thinking that's absolutely wild, but the human ear can hear way more than that. We can, mm. it, we can identify the difference between notes that are five cents apart, five cents being 5% of a semitone. That. Right. So yeah. we can tell the difference between those and go, ooh, that's two notes clashing rather than yeah. the same note. And obviously if you're trained, you can go that's sharp or flat, i.e. that's higher or lower than the note is supposed to be. Mm. It's out of tune if you're, if you're trying to hit a note or trying mm. to listen to something. But if you're not trained, you might still hear that and go, it sounds wrong. Mm. It sounds off. Yeah, to our ear because we're exactly. tuned to these eight-note scales. No, exactly, but and if you were completely surrounded by um, this what we call like microtonal harmony, like mm -hmm. in Indian classical music, um, that would just be kind of normal part of and it. In fact, if if you trained as a musician in that, that would just be a part of yeah um, how you heard it. Yeah, because why limit yourself? Play all the frequencies. Do it. Kind of speaking of frequencies, can I ask for a second? We say the eight-note scale, mm. but of course, you know to a listener that's not a musician, to somebody who, who doesn't, like that, we're not limited to eight notes that exist. That's eight notes that repeat themselves higher and lower as you go because when we say eight, the one and the eight of that are, are the same note. <laughs> I didn't play. That's an, that's an octave and it's because, is it the frequency doubles? Am I right? It is, yeah. So the, the actual frequency of that is literally twice as fast yep. as the lowest one, which to our ear sounds like a strange unison. Because yep. it's all vibration. Yeah. Um, so, like, obviously, it's not just those eight notes. It's those eight notes repeating upwards in a set, which is why we basically go A all the way through uh, G and then... Yep. A. And, you know, it's, it's infinite. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, it's, it's infinite in sound terms, but in terms of what we can hear, obviously, it's very limited. Mm. Yeah. So, it's kind of funny that, like, so... I'm looking at this clock spiel right now, and if you looked at a piano, it's the same piano as a little map of Western scales. Mm. Um, we, have this, we have an octave you know, C to C, and then it's divided into 12. Which when you think about it, it's not like completely obvious, right? Yeah. So you've got a doubled frequency and then we naturally divide it into 12th. And that's actually pretty common across cultures as well. Why do you think that is? Okay, so it's got a lot to do with how sound waves actually work. Oh no. And it's upsetting. Okay. Are you about to talk about the overtones? Yes, and series? before okay. I do, I want to say maybe we don't talk about that, right? <laughs> <laughs> and maybe we come back to this because we're right now talking about this differences between musical like, cultures. Like, that sounds like you were just like on the stand, you know, repre representing yourself. In, it's just like, and uh, so they've just presented a piece of evidence, which is like literally the bloodied knife with your fingerprints <laughs> on it. It's just like, all right, what I'd like to do before we discuss that is not discuss that at all. Thank you. Cheers. I rest my case. Thank you. Um, before we, because the thing is, is to talk about that, we're talking about how universal... Um, it is how humans hear sound um, and how humans hear tones and music. And so for that, I want to talk about how um, 
far back that goes. Oh, yeah. So I want to talk... Yeah. yeah, so Sam, you looked into... Yeah. Um, time travel. Time travel. <laughs> yes. Can you- so I travelled in time for this research. Don't say I'm not dedicated. Okie dokie. Um, so... When, basically, when did how old is music? Essentially, it's, okay. So the problem with that question <laughs> is that <laughs> is that anthropologists and uh, ethnomusicologists, all of these people, have been trying to answer the question of basically when did music start. But the problem with that question is they can't decide whether it started through instrumentation or vocalization. And mm. also, I would the, like to ask the question: When will music stop? <laughs> just, when is it fucking done? We've because, all been there. This song's so. So anyway. basically, the in terms of physical evidence of music existing, we obviously have. Obvi- I say obviously, as if everybody knows this. <laughs> everybody, um, time travel. Okay, so they have found uh, bone flutes that are about forty-three thousand years old oh my God. in Germany. I, actually, right, just sorry. roughly forty-three thousand. Just a cheeky forty-three thousand years old. Not very old. In the grand scheme of the universe. What? what kind of- just thinking <laughs> of grand schemes, like forty-three thousand, like so. That's so forty-three thousand years ago. Um, Neanderthals went extinct in Europe thirty thousand years ago. Okay. Oh my! Just for just for like some context. context. So and they they all it was just because they were sick of, <laughs> of the fucking bone flute. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's actually again evidence, with this shit. There's evidence that Neanderthals <laughs> also had musical capacity. There's actually evidence that about I think it's whatever was before Homo erectus, which I think is Homo. Don't giggle at that. <laughs> No, it's just like, like, homo what? And I'm, I'm hearing the vacuum of your joke is what I'm I'm not. I am an adult. So I don't know what you were talking about. Um, I don't know. I, I, I didn't write it down. There's a lot of them. But anyway, there's, an, there's a, everything. I homo heidelbergensis. I think it's actually Heidel something. Heidelbergensis. Yeah. I think it's that one. Yeah, it's because so, I'm a fucking yeah, you're a, you're a <laughs> genius. So I think there's evidence that it's, it's possible based on the basically the way that the jaw and the skull are structured that they would have the capacity for vocalization. Yeah that early in like sort of the homogenous sort mm-hmm. of development, but because they can't decide whether or not it was vocalization that came first or instrumentation, it, it could, could be, be older or yeah. and older. And also like these flutes were made from bone. Bone does eventually decompose. So it could mm. just be that we don't have physical evidence of instrumentation mm. at all. Like we might, they might have simply just degraded through but time. But also just to reiterate, like, or at least to emphasize the the reality of this, that it's like, we're not talking about human beings here. We're not. We're no. literally dis- discussing ape-like creatures mm-hmm. that made music. Yeah. Like we're literally discussing pre-human ancestors that were making music. I feel like that just needs to be said. Just, just yeah. To, because obviously, you know, there's the whole the caveman myth and all of that sort of shit. That it's like, you know, we we weren't all unga bunga out there. We're human beings with, you know, the same sort of thoughts, desires and, and, and things that you have as a, as a person, as a modern person. But we're not talking about them. We're talking about ape-like creatures yeah. Yeah. making music. And, and for more sort of like geological timescale, so we're talking about the fact that they found evidence that, that people or homo species people, pre-human people, were making music before the last ice age, right? Mm-hmm. And so this is a very ancient thing and they, they obviously can't, allude to like what was the music what role was it service serving they're obviously going that it's probably served some form of communal function ritual bonding because there's a lot of uh psych- like neurological studies that have proven that like ritual sort of like rhythmic singing mm. or ritual rhythmic movement mm-hmm. actually creates social cohesion so kind of if you're doing a ritual where you're like maybe like beating your feet and singing even in like a monotone chant. Together. It, cre- it creates a yeah. sense of community. Of course, because we're such social animals. Yes. Like, 
And people kind of kind of forget this because we live in a very individualized, like in, like in our society, at least a very individualized, very personalized society. We sort of forget that it's just like mm. we are social animals. The making sounds together makes us feel good. Yeah, well, and a, privacy is recent. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of studies that are tr uh, that kind of posit the idea that the reason why humans sort of won out against the Neanderthals is that we captured that or harnessed that element of music cohesion, that sort of ritualistic mm -hmm. kind of like bringing together. Um, uh, element of music and rhythm and dance and all of those things because like rhythm and dance can't be kind of removed from music at this time, I don't mm, think. Mm -hmm. that That's why we sort of like won, but like, let's be real, Neanderthals, they won because we had children with them as well. <laughs> yeah. So like they're still around. Yeah. Yeah, the Just genes to be clear. survived. Just to be clear. Yeah. We fuck Neanderthals. I'm one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Just, I want to make that clear. Mm. Um, but I think it's a really interesting element of like, this is something that we have evidence of it being 45,000 years old, maybe even earlier than that. There's also a lot of people who are starting to engage with cave paintings and really old sort of like visual representations and, and actually engaging with them on a deep history level of assuming that they're true, which is a weird thing to say, but, and engaging in like, Dreamtime stories or like ancient stories of people who are who are reporting something from very 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 long ago and going well maybe we should take these stories on face value that it discuss ideas of music and ritual and rhythm and mm. things like that so mm. it's it probably, so it's almost like it's because we can have to like some sort of written record of that yeah oh music has not only existed in, in at the time they painted it but, but well also before potentially then. before yeah yeah because I, I also think that there's something to be said that like you know the documentation of events is not something, they're not going to just do it on a whim for one thing. But it's also, you're talking about cultures that may have had an oral history for a very exactly. long time. And then it's just like kind of, hey, we could fucking write this down. Yeah. <laughs> and, th and I think about like the oral tradition of ancient Greece where they had or the orators that would tell the stories of Homer mm. and things, they sung it. Yeah. So how do we just know? a really long time. Really, it took yeah. fucking forever. <laughs> but like, when how do will we know? Music stop? <laughs> <laughs> we don't know whether or not that, the way that they told stories was musically. We we we, we mm. can't we can't say, but I think it's very likely that you know music has been around and is is kind of a part of what makes us human. I suppose that ties into poetry too, isn't it? Yeah, it's all so rhythmic and structured mm. and sort of ritualistic almost. Yeah, kind of thing. because it's difficult to define music in that way because it's like, does it require rhythm? Does it require a mm. sense of sound that's different from speech? Like, there's yeah, no way well, of kind of demarcating what constitutes music i think well no because we can't person. do that now yeah um so you know person. like there are there are there are like tribal groups whose music is like rhythmic clicks and what sounds like complete atonalism to most other mm. cultures so but like, it's, it stems from that same place of requiring musical expression yeah it's, it's and it's the same you know brain chemistry it's the same yeah. stuff going on so it's music like, i think a really important thing from from that discussion sam was the the fact that um you know, we're not sure whether it was instrumental music first, like a bone flute, or whether it or was- Or drums or something. Or drums, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Or like vocalization, i.e. singing. Because that's really important because I remember when we were, when we were talking about sewing uh, on the podcast uh, and we are talking about the Neanderthal rope, <laughs> if you remember, mm -hmm. like the fact that it took that much complexity to do was one of the supporting evidence of Neanderthals having complex language because you can't really coordinate that amount of work without it. Um, mm -hmm. And so if you think about like, these two things are happening probably at the same time because they're developing speech. Humanoids mm. and humans are developing speech um, and like these complex social ideas because of speech at the same time as this vocal tract is evolving to support 
speech, which enables the kind of singing and contrived sounds mm. that humans make. Yeah. Well, there's some evidence to suggest that singing would have been easier than speaking. Like the, cause you're, you don't have- That hasn't been my experience. No, in the sense of like, not with, not with like words, but like making melody or making, making different like sounds. Oh, that's, thank you for reminding me. You know, making different sounds and like sustaining it in like the way that you would with humming or something like that would have been easier than the complexity of pronouncing and articulating and letters yeah. and sounds and, and like words. I, w- I was gonna ask about this, um, so I will. Oh, good. <laughs> um, the- <laughs> Colin. <laughs> At some point during the podcast today. Um, no, I was going to ask about uh, the sort of melodic way in which people speak. Now, I know that there are like mm. tonal languages out there that actually require melody and certain intonations to change the meaning of a word. Um, but in, say, English, for example, the way that I talk is quite sing-songy. Mm. Everything but you know, it's like it's quite kind of you can make fun of me, like you know, it's like all the sentences have kind of like a shape to them and emphasis and, and melody and all of that kind of stuff. And I feel like that is if you've ever tried to listen to, like, say, a university lecturer or a teacher or a speech or anything of someone that is quite monotonous or monotonal in the way that they speak, and it fucking kills you, you die mm, inside yeah. because you need some of that melody throughout what someone's saying to fucking be attached to the content, yeah. you know? Yeah. That is really interesting, actually. And I wonder if the, I'm certain that's got a, that's got a very language group to language group, right? Like, because like, as you, as you said, if, you, if you're if a native speaker of a tonal language, mm. like you're going to hear that tonality differently. Actually, um, I, wanted to, I wanted to do want to tie that into some of the uh, folk music we were listening to earlier, because some of like the, the more drone based stuff, yeah. where it's like sitting around this particular tone is quite hypnotic to our ear, and kind of soothing in that way. So maybe that's why if you listen to somebody talking mm-hmm. basically the same tone at the same pitch for a very long time, it actually kind of makes you feel <laughs> yeah. like you're going to drift off and fall asleep. And have a really, you know what I mean? We should do a whole episode of the podcast. Where yeah, we just, just do like this the whole time. It's actually really hard, time. guaranteed. Yeah. All it's at really the same hard. time as well. And then one of us makes a pig sound and then it gets really loud. Well, there's that. That's not a pig sound. That was just you screaming. Well, because there's a thing about like one of the interesting elements of like cross-cultural musical music understanding of like what is a happy sound what is a sad sound sort of yeah in like mm. in like studies that have been done is that like the prosody of your voice so the the, the sort of like shift of your of your pitch perhaps mm-hmm. presents like a negative or positive connotation so when you're speaking we have a prosody that we say words that have negative connotations in a different way to the words that we say that have positive connotations yeah it's like if you tell someone like as a parent yeah you know what I mean like you might say their name, like it's just like instead of just like Samantha yeah. to you, I'm Samantha. Yeah, it sounds different. <laughs> so this was the point uh, last week when the SD card uh, hit full and it stopped recording, and we didn't realize and um, kept talking for another hour, which was very interesting. I guarantee it. Uh, but we're going to pick back up where we left off. <laughs> And I'm going to hand you over to Samuel, who is still wearing the hat. I hope you took it off, uh, like, for the showers this week. <laughs> Never. <laughs> Never. The Never task is hat. not complete. Yeah, all right, that's dedication. I like it. What are we talking about? We are talking about music and we were talking about... Uh, we are actually talking about the deep history of music for a while and uh, how it related to the development of speech mm-hmm. in Absolutely. humans uh, and pre-humans. Indeed. <laughs> um, and we were talking about how universal that is um, because... Um, you know, like tonality has meaning. Um, 
like harmony, like major or minor has fairly universal meanings as well. Now, um, earlier on in this podcast, I uh, was invited to explain why some of these things are universal and why some of these things occur. And a week later, you're going to indulge in that. <laughs> yeah. Thank yeah. you, thank I you for responding. I believe he declined. Yeah. He denied us this information last <laughs> yeah. week. And finally, now is the time. But now we have but one choice <laughs> to face the long dark of an actually really interesting subject, which mm-hmm. is called the Overtone series. Yeah. 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 So, <laughs> so just to, like spoilers for this whole section, right? Like basically those harmonic elements of music being semi-universal and it relating to speech Mm -hmm. um, is all to do with the physics of sound waves. Um, Basically how sound waves work and how they uh, work together. Um, And a big part of that is in overtones. Mm -hmm. And an overtone is. An overtone is. uh, An overtone (laughs) is, um, it's basically like if you imagine that any sound that you hear that has a pitch um, is not one sound wave. Right, so if you hear um, a guitarist pluck a note on a guitar and you would think, oh, that's an A, and that might be, oh, that's A, 440 hertz. That's what the note is. But no that's more, actually, no less. No more, no less. But that's just the, the, the uh, fundamental pitch that we're hearing as, as, as the main note. The core of it. Yeah. Um, if you actually break that down into like a waveform, if you like looked at it, you're not seeing one wave, you're seeing a ton of waves. You're seeing this very, what we call a complex waveform. Um, and that's because every sound that we hear is a whole bunch of sound waves happening at once. And when that's whether it's pitched or not. So if you just hit a drum, that's a crazy amount of noise and different kinds of waves hitting your ears. Mm. But our ears hear that as one noise and that noise is a snare drum. Yes, Samantha. What would a noise sound like if it didn't have the waves? Like what, yeah, okay. what, what is like, cause you're saying like obviously speech, like plugging a guitar, hitting a drum, obviously has yeah. the core sort of like major vibration and then there's all these other waves that happen after it. What would a sound be that doesn't have that? Like what would what would we sound like if we weren't able to create this? <laughs> so, okay, so basically what a simple waveform is, mm. which is a single wave, yeah. um, is a sine wave. Um, oh, my which, favorite. Yeah, so you might've seen these because on a, on a graph, like on a waveform graph, they're just a nice little round wave it's one the tidiest line. sound ever to be created yeah it's also if you've ever <laughs> like, if you've ever done maths you will have been uh, yes. subjected to sine waves yeah um and we all hear it as um as a test tone as well so like if we've heard like a computer might go like a or something mm. like it's it might not be a sine wave exactly but it's a simple waveform it's one wave which is why it sounds like kind of artificial and Flat to yeah. us, like dead, dead flat. Yeah, it's artificial, and when most of the time we hear those sounds, it's made by a synthesizer, which has created that wave for us to listen to. Um, so they don't exist much in in nature. Everything's a complex waveform. Mm-hmm. So if you so returning to guitar again, you pluck that guitar, and we're here. What we're hearing is all those extra waves, overtones, mm-hmm. tones over the note, if you like. And those are sort of. We appreciate those subconsciously kind of thing. We're not really aware of them necessarily. No, we're not really aware of them because we are processing them as one sound. Okay. Um, as as uh, as timbre, as um, like the quality of a sound, the subjective quality of a sound. Oh, that sounds raspy. That sounds rich. Mm. That sounds warm. That mm. sounds bright. There's a rub there. There's you know. It's <laughs> There's gurgly. a gurgly. <laughs> well, so this vibes. Would like the basically like a thin sound? Would you say like a thin sound versus like a rich full sound? Would that be just fewer overtones coming through? Different. Oh, okay. Different overtones at different amplitudes. Okay, so like, here we go, right? <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> okay. Um, 
the, the why this relates to musical scales is a pitched sound has a different kind of physics to it. So because the waves are moving at a, a regular frequency, there's a doubling effect effectively. So wait, at a regular frequency or yeah, at no, an just, irregular? At a regular frequency. <laughs> okay, cool, good. Okay, Sorry. so it's and yeah, so a guitar note is plucked. It's A and it's 440 hertz. Um, there's a thing that happens with strings and columns of air when they uh, produce a pitch where um, they don't just move, that string doesn't just move at 440 hertz, it moves at first double that, yeah, and then three times 440 hertz, and then four times 440 hertz, then five times, and so on. <laughs> Continuously, it, it looks really, <laughs> it looks really cool on a graph of, with the string sort of uh, um, simulation because you've got one very large wave and then one wave that's smaller, another wave that's smaller again. If you layer them over, it's, it looks really cool. Okay. So if you look that up on, it's probably on the wiki page for Harmonic Series. Or I imagine there would be a YouTube channel that would just have like oscillators doing this sort of stuff. <laughs> yeah, there probably are. I've seen a few on like Instagram reels that have been an oscillator playing the Harmonic Series. There's a great video explainer by Andrew Huang on YouTube called The Most Mind-Blowing Concept in Music, <laughs> which explains it really, really well. It's not an easy concept to explain as you might be witnessing right now. Um, <laughs> So it's not just guitar strings, right? It's also columns of air. So um, you play a note in a clarinet, um, that air column that you're producing. It sounds sick. It sounds kind of like someone complaining from the bottom of a well. <laughs> it's like... Oh, I've never heard a clarinet be called. <laughs> wow, that's incredible. I love that. It produces the same effect. And what it's called is that the overtones are integer multiples of the original frequency. Okie dokie. Um, so one that. times, two times, three times. Mm -hmm. So why this relates to scales is that these are kind of notes that we can actually identify when we play them. So here's, here's a very sort of, I've got a little synthesizer on, online that I pulled up that you can play the notes of the harmonic series. Mm -hmm. So I'm gonna do that now. So this is what you hear when you're hearing just a regular note as played. That hurt. Yeah, the last note held on, and the only way I know how to stop it is a button called panic, uh, which I think is really appropriate. Um, <laughs> we should have one of those just on the table for me. Every, every episode, just honk. It's like a little clown honk. Okay, that's my, that's my fucking panic button. Um, okay, so what's really wild about that is that I reckon most of those notes are kind of familiar. Like you would have heard them and go like, that sounds like a chord. Mm -hmm. So there's kind of like a chord that's playing over... All, all single sound. notes at yeah. all times. Yes. Okay. Um, um, what, what's really interesting is it's like <clears throat> there's, there are there are vocal techniques that imitate those. Like if you ever hear like yeah. Tuvan throat singing or anything like that, it's all to do with creating like a drone. Yeah. And play with those overtones by changing the shape of the resonance in your mouth. Yeah, because the human voice, this, it happens within your vocal tract. Like that's a really important point that this yeah. isn't just like instruments or something. Like that's how we produce uh, song. <laughs> well, do you think fundamentally that's why we hear these a certain way? Like maybe animals that aren't tuned to like you haven't, you know, developed, like we were talking about Homo heidelbergensis and like, mm. you know, the things we came from and the development of that ear canal and whatever, like we're tuned to hear what a human voice does, is that why maybe we're attuned, we make music that involves these overtones kind of thing or we're well, aware of it? Yeah, I mean, like getting back to that whole, um, the deep history stuff with like uh, the fact that it, tonality might have evolved at the same time as speech. Um, 
we actually use harmonics for speech. Like, yeah. So we, mm. um, the way we produce vowels is actually through manipulating harmonics. Hey, uh, yeah. No. Which like, is funny because like, <laughs> I, was, I was toying with to trying to figure out how to do some of that like overtone singing and there's like a bunch of stuff on YouTube. Damn it, I can't remember her name. But there's one, if you look up like overtone singing, there's one mm. uh, woman on YouTube who does it like remarkably well and it's almost like she's singing in harmony with herself because she can control both the the root note that she's singing will move as well as what's happening in the overtone. Um, so she ends up singing two melodies at once, which is absolute chaos. But I was toying with it and I can't do like the deep kind of and play with the uh, the overtones there, but I was trying to play with this one and see, I don't know if this is going to come through, but hang on one second. <laughs> Let's try it. And I don't know whether you can hear that kind so of, cool. <laughs> that high arpeggio like happening yeah. over the top, that client, which was basically me moving my tongue, like curling my tongue up towards the roof of my mouth and just dragging it backwards, to like gradually towards the back and changing the amount of space that it has to to resonate in there. And that, like, and the minute that you, you get it and the minute that you kind of see it, uh, it, w like when you're when you're practicing and you're like, oh fuck, I just made that sound, and then you yeah. can kind of figure it out from there. And it's like, it seems ridiculous, but then now that I've done it, I'm kind of aware of when it happens when I'm singing regularly, because of course, constantly as you're singing or as, you know, you're changing the shape of you know lifting your soft palate, lowering yeah. your soft palate, where your tongue is sitting, what word you're singing, and that's why every time you go do a diphthong from like a ooeeah. Yeah, it's the same thing as that. Yeah, you know, it's like those shapes are changing the whole time. It's so cool, and that, like I think one an important point about that as well is that um, <clears throat> the you're not actually singing different harmonics. It's not like oh, you're singing a different overtone there. What you're actually doing is is as you said, you're shaping them. You're you're reducing the volume of some of them and increasing the volume of others. You're like almost like a if you if if you're familiar with like the sort of DJ thing, a filter where you're going. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So like, it's it's kind of the same thing. You're doing it as we just did yeah. <laughs> with our vocal tract, yeah, to produce speech, but also to produce to like different kinds of singing. You're just eqing your own so voice live. Would the overtone <laughs> then the overtones that you're producing would obviously kind of be, I mean, in tune as much as they can be, but they would be complementary to the root note. You're never going mm. to have necessarily, and there are always going to be those notes that we just heard. Yeah, from yeah the, the, the same the same integer difference from yeah. your. Yeah, because the thing is, I'm not like sitting here doing this super precise thing, like you know, skipping mm. the notes and doing the right ones. I'm just moving my tongue back, yeah, and, until the note changes. I'm literally just doing that. So it's like those resonant things are there, and it's just pointing them out. You're just letting the maths do it for you, basically. Like, yeah, totally. I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. Oh, it turns out you're a maths <laughs> yeah. genius. I mean, oh my god. Because again, like we're not hearing these as notes for the most part. It's, you did a thing with your um, throat and mouth to basically go, oh, it's producing, um, you, sorry, it's making them audible. Yeah. Um, and it's very hard to make them audible. Um, we mostly hear them as just the character of a sound. Yeah. And like, so you know how like I was saying, um, oh yeah, some overtones are louder, some are softer, depending on what you're doing. That's why a lot of different instruments sound different. It's why mm. different guitars sound different to each other. It's why old guitar strings sound dull. Um, it's because they're not doing the upper they're harmonics anymore. They're producing that, oh wow. Um, yeah, so, and also like, you know, a saxophone, um, because of its resonance chamber, like I think it's, I don't remember, it's either odd or even, I don't remember, but it favors odd or even harmonics. Yeah. <laughs> is the saxophone to always, create a sort of boxy sound? Is the saxophone always trying to get laid? Do you think? Yes. Like it's what it's what it sounds like. Apparently, to me. those odd harmonics are the way to do it. Yeah. That's, uh, 
that's how it's done. So like the scale thing, right? So we, there's a chord in there. And when we listened to them, they were, you heard a major chord, like you heard like basically those notes were mm-hmm. in there really, really fast, Yeah, which is crazy. So when you earlier in the, in the podcast, I was saying that, um, that why is major chord, why is the major scale called the major scale? Why is it considered the normal one in Western music? And oh. in others, it's because it already exists. Yes. Well, because I, I was, I was thinking of it as major, as in like just assuming like the word major just meant happy. I was not even thinking about it in relation to it's a naturally occurring, like harmonic thing in nature. And is that why the that scale, like the pentatonic scale, exists across basically all folk music as well? Yeah, because it, like yeah. what we're hearing is essentially a pentatonic scale, and yeah. well, at least the basis for a whole bunch of them. Mm. Um, there was a study done, um, which is really like it's dense, but it's fascinating. Uh, Jill and Perv's uh, biological rationale for musical scales, and they basically found that the most commonly used scales in human music, like across cultures, human music. Um, human music as <laughs> compared to sing. Yeah, okay. Yeah, but so, do they hear it as music though? Mm, um, don't know. <laughs> or is it just a coincidence? That's I mean, deep, man. Yeah. Are yeah, they man. manipulating harmonic? I don't know. Um, but yeah, so the most commonly used scales across music across the world are the ones that have the closest similarity to the harmonic series. To the whole harmonic series, keeping mm. in mind, because there's a lot of notes that we didn't just play. Yeah, and there was that one note that, like, you, I think it was the seventh note that you played that, like, you think it's going to be a nice, like, like a Another nice even, even jump, jump then but then it becomes yeah. like kind of like it goes like either sharp, flat. I don't know. It's it's. I think it's slightly lower than you said. It's a yes. smaller jump than it's you expected. It's a smaller jump than you expected. Yeah, that one. That one feels there. Yeah, it just gets kind of stranger. Things get closer together. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Um, so yes, the scales we use in music are based in the physics of sound waves. Mm. That is, and. But like, why? I mean, like humans can't hear that easily. This is a synthesizer that it was based off people mathematically computing the frequencies of the harmonic series. Do you have an answer to this question? Or are you posing a hypothetical situation? Uh, Rhetorical. Both. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> can't it be both? Pick <laughs> a side, Sam. Because I'm just God. like, if you're going to make me think about this and then not give me any answers, <laughs> I'm going to be so mad. Although people, people come here for like edutainment and all they get is more questions. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but I mean, okay, so... Here's, here's my theory, guys, and it's based on what I thought just now um, <laughs> and very little else. Uh, music itself, right, is it's a form of natural expression. It's the way that, you know, this thing like we were talking about last week, you know, it's, um, it's this thing that's in us and it's obviously come out of, you know, communal stuff and, and self-expression and all of that. Why would that not come from something that feels like, even if it's subconscious, innate? You know, something that does exist. We're trying to reflect mm. ourselves in sound kind of thing. He said, not knowing. Yeah, well, no, uh, no one actually really knows. Um, but Sick. the people See? who are the closest to knowing believe that it's because it's similar to speech and because we developed speech at the same time, it was basically just co-evolved as another communication thing. Mm. Like the stomping the feet together to feel good. Yeah, yeah, because rhythm, rhythm again is something that... Um, is really, really integral to the concept of music because I do think that you you can have folk singing, right? And like we we got to listen to some really interesting folk music before we recorded this, this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and they almost engage in sort of a rhythm even when they're just using their voices. But rhythm is a really, really innate thing. But so do we. I mean, like I'm going to use the example of like pop music. Yes. Um, where, or, or even just even the music that I make, which is, which is not pop because pop is short for popular and... Um, <laughs> uh, uh, uh. Anyway, uh, 
What, what I think is really important when you're, you're writing a hook, and this is actually advice that I give to like younger people writing music, um, is that it's like melody is only a tiny part of that. Like, yes, a hook, a melodic hook is something that sticks with you that you want to keep singing throughout the day and that it stays with you. But part of what makes that really memorable, in fact, a really important part of what makes that memorable is the rhythm and the word setting. Mm. So it's like you, the, the way the lyric trips off the tongue, if it's a, if it's a nice thing that, that, that is easy to say or easy to digest and also has a pulse to it that is memorable and then has the melody that's memorable. Rhythm is like an essential part of creating a hook. And I think that's why there is a lot of, again, contention around vocalization versus instrumentation, because you're right in saying that like that sort of rhythmic beat might have been something that then like say people like like hitting drums or clapping or like pounding their feet together, mm -hmm. creating the sort of bass line that people would then maybe chant over, then establishes the sort of now base of how we develop music where you've got mm. this kind of rhythmic, you're not going to have like this kind of free singing without like a core structure underneath. Mm. Like doing jazz, I suppose. Yeah, but I mean like, so in a way it's like, you could say like our bodies kind of created music. Yeah. It's like you're saying like based off this core rhythm that's within us. Well, it's just yeah. like, there's studies on rhythm as well that show that um, it's humans like to synchronize it with uh Body rhythms, basically, like your physiological rhythms of your body, mm. are kind of attuned. Breath, yeah, exactly. Walking. Yeah, and there's actually been studies that demonstrate that if you kind of are, are rhythmically in sync with something, like if you're if you're like clapping along with people, that sometimes your heartbeat can actually regulate with with each mm. other. And again, that's going to establish more of that social cohesion. Mm. Like rhythm is actually, I think, they found that rhythm is actually more important in terms of social co cohesion mm. than melody is necessarily. That's cool. And that's also, I mean, it's also like, um, I mean, assuming that like singing is probably the first music, like probably. probably. I'm just coming down hard on that camp. Yeah. <laughs> okay, um, we've decided. Uh, what you are know, you going like, to do? Time travel and prove us wrong? Come on. <laughs> Apparently <laughs> um, other primates also respond to music and music-like sounds that are closer to their um, voc vocalization range. Mm, okay. So more chimp-related <laughs> music that sounds like closer into their vocal range or just sounds or something that they're playing. I'm not even sure they were music. It's like yeah, 80s so hair they metal. Like metal. <laughs> <laughs> <Are> they like, <laughs> I was going to say, are they sopranos? Are they altos? Like, the what are we talking here? Sound? Uh, have you ever met a chimp? They're like fucking badass. Chimp. No, I have not met they're a chimp. They're all like... <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, that's exactly how I thought they'd sound. Yeah. But on top of that, like musical instruments that we've developed and a lot of music mimics the human voice. Musical instruments like, you know, saxophone. I was making the joke about the clarinet and the complaining from the bottom of a well, <laughs> yes. saxophone trying to get laid. The, um, you know. A lot of instruments that, like, that we like mm. sound like a human voice singing. And also almost all music is within a human singable range. You wouldn't have like music playing in like... Like up, up in the top Unless of you were range. trying to make someone feel uncomfortable, which is another interesting thing. <laughs> All music down in the bottom octave, that's actually Doom. Yeah. Again, I said that. It's the Doom soundtrack. Thank you, Mick Gordon, for that one. Um, I, was, I was actually going to say before that it's like one of the things that people say about someone that is like a, a master player, like a, a, like a, a virtuoso, like what, what do they say about it? It's like that violinist makes the violin sing. Yeah. He makes oh, the guitar yeah. sing. It sounds natural when he plays. Like, you know, say for example, Sam um, from Caligula Source, Sam Vallon, and my band is, um, let me talk about my band. <laughs> uh, he, like the way that he plays, a lot of the time when it's a lead line that's very melodic, it does have like kind of almost a sob to it or a soaring thing that does make it sound 
like people would say he makes the guitar sing. And I find that really interesting that you're saying that it's like music is within the human vocal range mm. and uh, and also that our immediate assumption of someone, you know, that is really good at the instrument is like, you know, that's he's vocalizing with that, you know? Yeah. I have a question. Yes. So we were talking last week about, uh, well, we at least got started into the conversation of, of folk music and you sort of were bringing up the fact that like, say like Indian uh, folk music uses a 22 note scale. How does the Overtone series fit into that? Because if the Overtone series kind of has these like, like almost like a pentatonic system, yeah. um, how does that fit into something that has like microtonal elements to the to the musical kind of notes that they use? Yeah, so, okay, like the, the scales at the top of the list of uh, their similarity to, similarity to the overtone slash harmonic series. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like doing that accent makes it harder to understand. It. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect, keep doing it. Um, is both heptaton- heptatonic and pentatonic. So heptatonic is like your eight note scale. I know that means seven. That's because there's an octave. Anyway. Um, because as we were saying, one equals eight. It's the double yep, fre- yep, yep. The, the frequency. So double. like a major scale is a heptatonic scale. Um, pentatonic major scale. Like Mary Had a Little Lamb. That's a pentatonic scale. Um, a, pen, a major pentatonic scale sounds like... Um, yeah, and that's like... So like there's the Western pentatonic ones. There's also like it's the basis of basically all Chinese traditional music mm-hmm. is in pentatonics as well, but they're slightly different. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so there's 22 note scales in like an Indian raga, like a scale, but the, a lot of their base scales that they use to, to as a framework of understanding the music is still that eight note scale often at times or five note scale, pentatonic or heptatonic. Um, and So everything a, else is exploration? Well, not quite. You okay. see, okay, if you, if you listen, listen back in your mind's eye to the harmonic listen series. Listen with your eye. Listen yeah. with your eye and your brain mm-hmm. uh, to, and your nose. Um, you have to stop. <laughs> <laughs> the overtone series, um, you might've noticed that some of the notes sounded a bit angry. Um, they sounded uh, a bit gross. Mm. And that's because they're not in tune with Western music. Okay. Um, the better way of saying that is Western music is not in tune- With reality. With reality. <laughs> Wow. So nice. The reason is, is like, so if you if you look at it in notation form, which you can find easily through on Wikipedia, they'll have um, some of those notes will have. Oh, this is actually out of tune by a certain number of cents, and we're talking a lot. Like, we're talking like it's more than half a semitone out of tune. If you recall from earlier describing a twenty-two note scale, half a semitone is just a note in a whole bunch of musical cultures, like yeah. Indian classical music. So um, basically, like. It, it's more in tune with the harmonic series in the sense that it's kind of working with it because you're you're acknowledging that there's there's different notes. There's obviously tuning stuff to do with that too, which we don't need to talk about. <laughs> Thank God. Please um, do not. But suffice to say that the Western classical music and therefore Western popular music uses equal temperament tuning, which is just dividing something equally into 12, like an octave equally into 12. Mm-hmm. And that means that it's actually technically not in tune with uh, those those multiples of the waves mm. that we see in the overtone series. Okay. So there's kind of a question of just like, what's true for mass is not always true or musically relevant to the humans who are listening to it, depending on their cultural background. And that's fine. Uh, is basically the story there. And it's also insane. It's, it's also, also an insane insane. fact. No, so like the most of the world uses just intonation, which is a tuning that is more like uh, the harmonic series. Yeah. And it's very, very ancient. This isn't some wacky idea that somebody had in the 19th century. This is like Pythagoras was <laughs> doing maths for this. Um, and I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk <laughs> about it. I don't want to talk about it anymore. So uh, just a follow-up question on the folk music element then. So we got to 
what it was was it Bulgarian folk music that we listened to? The choral stuff. The choral yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. And they so like we're talking about like kind of even temperament. We're talking about like Western cultural like sort of like upbringing that we're in. And there's not a lot of dissonant sounds in that. We don't often engage in a lot of like close harmonization, playing, unless you're Jacob Collier, uh, playing (laughs) with these like really sort of like, really kind of getting close um, in terms of um, uh, tone. Yeah, like when I played the semitone together last week. Yeah, like, and that Mm. was really, it's kind of harsh to our ears. But I noticed that the, the choir would often like kind of play with it and use that as a tension and release sort of thing about getting mm. really close harmonization. And and is that a common thing in a lot of folk music or is that? I don't know if it's common in folk music, but I mean, certainly like it's so a Bulgarian music. And if you haven't heard Bulgarian choral music, uh, look it up on YouTube and you'll find a couple of videos at the top that are, I know where they are and they're excellent. Oh um, my God. Yeah, no, actually I watched one of those the other day. Oh yes. my God, so good. Um, and yeah, it's like, it is kind of cool to the ear because it's got, you know, like otherwise like a Western harmony sort of background, mm-hmm. but as you said, there's all these um, specifically major second like intervals, like um, like in a chord, um, which so generally da and da played together. Yeah, and you know, like in most Western choral music, that's not common. Um, another cool we th- use it a lot. We use it a lot, and the, the an interesting thing is, I always find that with these close, um, rubby kind of harmonies that are like right next to each other, I always find that they blend so much better in the human voice than they do with an instrument. Like if I was to play uh, a semitone or a tone apart on a guitar, it would sound like really kind of distorted and and kind of rough and maybe aggressive (laughs) even. But like when you have like a chord that's like a ninth chord or something like that, so it's, you know, like your regular chord and then on top there's just this little bit of extra something and it's blended with the voice. It can sound really lush and it can sound really soft, yeah. actually. It can sound really like gentle and kind of almost massaging you. But is that the Overtone series helping with that? Yeah, I sort of wonder. I mean, like, well, um, the, if you go a few steps up in the harmonic series, you start to get basically what resembles a ninth chord. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so, which is kind of interesting. Um, but I, I think it's just like, it's, it's really refreshing to hear that. Listening to the Bulgarian choral music, to me, it was just like, this sounds so modern to me. <laughs> it's right. like a traditional music, but to me, that harmony is very modern. Like you hear that in like, um, it, it reminds me a lot of Exploring Birdsong actually. Right. Um, you guys should go listen to Exploring Birdsong. You definitely yeah. should. Really good. Um, Amazing bird. But it has a really similar sort of harmonic content to me. But dissonance is, is a funny one because um, you like depending on the, like the musical culture, there's different definitions of what dissonance is uncomfortable. Oh, like for yeah. example, like to, to we were talking about, like you were sort of saying, uh, you know, semitone dissonance on a guitar sounds aggressive, and it's mm-hmm. like used, like for example, Corn's "Life Is Peachy" uses it mm. pretty much nonstop through yeah. the entire record. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so like, but in different contexts, um, dissonance is kind of welcome. So like, um, one of the things we were listening to before was uh, was gamelan music. Oh okay. yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and I found that. Stressful. Um, stressful, like really stressful. And I was in the middle of my second coffee in the morning and it was bad timing because <laughs> like I, I may not survive this is all I'm saying. But no, it, like I found it, I think it was not just because it was sort of like repetitive rhythmically and gradually getting faster, which of course to me imitate or I feel like a heartbeat that's getting faster, which is a stressful thing. But also the sound of it felt discordant to me yeah. to a level that it was just like, it was almost like a horror thing happening to me. 
Yeah. Like boss music. Okay, so <laughs> there are like so many reasons why a Western ear is going to hear it that way. Mm -hmm. um, one of them, and I think the most obvious, is the fact that the scale is not, it's a pentatonic scale generally, mm -hmm. but um, it's not, <laughs> again, it's not in tune with, with Western harmony. It's, it's in, uh, it has its own game. This is what it actually sounds like. Ow. Yeah, it's pretty wild, right? Um, so, yeah, it's got an unusual scale. It's also like not just um, sort of out of tune from equal temperament in our ears, mm. but it's also, it's a kind of a whole tone scale variant. Right. <laughs> so whole tone scales are kind of spooky. They're actually really fun because they're, they sound like a dream from a cartoon. Yeah, yeah I love this. Going backwards is descending into yeah, yeah, the dream actually, so state. Go backwards, go backwards. You're going into a dream world. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's terrifying there. According yeah. to that voice, that's a scary place. <laughs> um, um, I was going to ask about that. So it's not just that it has that dreamlike quality to, to our ear of the, the whole tone scale, but that's being played on bells or something? Yeah, yeah. so this is all like, um, if you haven't heard this, by the way, um, again, YouTube is the best place to find this. And it might be like called by different names because it's of regional variations. But if you just search Indonesian gamelan, you'll probably gamelan being spelled G A M E L A N. Thank you. Um, yeah, so they're, they're all metallophones. Oh, <laughs> oh that's like right. We're talking about the, wait, somebody answer the metallophone. Yes. yes. Goodness me. Goodness um, me. But it, the, I think because I'm getting the word bell out of that, like it, when I hear that, does that mean that it's like it is ringing? with different overtones that aren't quite in tune to my ear. Yeah, sorry. That, thank you for reminding me of that because I had forgotten. You're fucking welcome, mate. Um, metallophones, and specifically the ones that are made in Indonesia, mm -hmm. do not conform to the harmonic series, which is what we call inharmonic overtones. Yeah. Why? Um, so, for example, um, any instrument may have is not perfect, right? So, like, a guitar might have a whole bunch of inharmonic overtones, mm -hmm. either because it's kind of dodgy or shit, or maybe that's just what it makes it sound no, good. It's been warped by being um, on a plane for two Brass, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, trumpets have inharmonic overtones. It's what makes it sound kind of uh, raspy and stuff. Yeah. So, it, there is a sort of distinctive tone to that, but these these guys basically don't do that. So, it, it, what's interesting is that that tuning system, that um, those scales... Yeah kind of conform to the inharmonic overtones of the instruments that are traditionally used and have been for thousands of years in this place. Okay. Well, okay. Yes. Yeah, of, course. It, yeah. of course it does. Of yeah. course, yes. Because um, music is ancient, apparently, yes. as we've discovered. Oh, why? Uh, <laughs> it stresses me out. I'm starting to hit that, like, did aliens do this point? <laughs> <laughs> well, did aliens yeah. make music? <laughs> so the bells are also, this is really cool. So you know, like you were saying, oh, this is really stressing me out. Um, it's kind of designed to. Uh, because okay. what's commonly done is they'll they'll take two of the bells or the gongs. They kind of look like big uh, steel parts or something. Mm -hmm. They'll detune them from each other. So they'll have two ones that are meant to be the same note, and they'll detune them from each other slightly. Just slightly. And you said you can really hear it if you listen to those low notes being played on whatever video you find. You hear this kind of, and that's your ear struggling to to cope with that notes that are close together. It's a psychoacoustic right. effect where you're like, it's called a shimmering effect. And so it's been deliberately done for like a thousand years to create a sense of like awe because it's a ceremonial uh, music style. Of course. Yeah, yeah, it was used in various religions as powers changed through yeah. Indonesia mm. over a thousand years. And it was always used for ceremonies still to this day um, and dances. 
Um, so it has a sense of solemnity and an alien quality to it. But also, like it, it was meant to be like uh, you're standing in the in the face of a god. Right. The king has arrived. Yeah. And you are in a state of like almost like trance. Yeah. Like you're literally disassociating because of how like wild this music sounds. Yeah. Yeah, because like, like they're the, not playing this at the butcher. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, because like the rhythm, the rhythm aspect of obsequially gamelan, like when you're listening to it, if you if you just sort of zone out and listen to it, you do sort of feel your body, like you said, like you start, you're, like they increase the, the beat, they increase the speed and you you start actually increasing like yeah. in with the speed because rhythm is kind of also an innate function of just physics mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. Like, because the reason why you have the overtone series is this sort of rhythmic movement of waves and yeah, that's okay. also being produced by walking so Heartbeat, all, all sound or, is is percussion, right? Yeah, it's, it's like, basically you know, all percussion. We're just knocking air around. Yeah, we're just like punching it around, mm -hmm. seeing what noise it makes. But that has an impact on your consciousness. It has an impact on your heartbeat. It has an impact. It can be therapeutic. Mm. So there's like the cathartic element of sort of like intense, intense music or heavy music yeah. is a lot of that isn't just the the melody. A lot of it is actually the rhythmic quality of the I music. feel like, you know, at some point we've got we've got to do an episode on metal, you know, and yeah. all like different genres of music and I look forward to doing that. But I mean, when it comes to that kind of thing, I mean, to, to anyone who, who's never been to like a, a heavy music show, whether it be metal or whatever else, there is a sense of physical catharsis I think that is unmatched after that where it's like there is you have you've not only just had your body shook by like actual physical vibration but there is like an aggression and a, a, a rhythmic physicality to it that sort of gets stuff out of you and you walk out of there feeling kind of elated and and uh in awe. It almost triggers an adrenaline response. Yeah. In a sense. I, one, it doesn't help me party, but it does, <laughs> it does in a way help me to, uh, to you know, get the, the hate yeah. out. But also, <laughs> I just want to make a little, uh, mention uh, Charles Darwin. He talks about rhythmic coordination of the body as a symbol for an honest signal of an individual's health and fitness. So this is Charles Darwin you know, Darwin bombing balling. this podcast right yeah, now. Yeah, because like we can't drop a D bomb. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So the descent of man talking about CD. sexual selection, basically. CD. The, so because you're talking about like I can't party to it. Yeah, dancing. Yeah. I can party to whatever, man. I'm dancing fine. is, according to Darwin, a great way to signal your sexual availability and also your health and fitness as a mate. Yeah, but I mean, if you look at the, like, like birds and all that, like, let me smash. Yeah, the birds of paradise. Yeah, yeah, birds of paradise stuff. They have they incredible dances. Yeah. Yeah, and like, okay, so traditional music of all kinds is often associated with dancing. I yes. think that says a lot. Yeah. Because of the role of music in perhaps a traditional society or the role of traditional music in a modern society, maybe. Mm -hmm. But like, you know, so Bulgarian music is choral music. So you wouldn't normally, you wouldn't immediately go, that's dancing music because it doesn't have drums or anything. Mm. But all the rhythms, that's why they use odd meters is because it's particular dances. It's like the tune we were listening to is like, da dun dun da 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 or something like that. Yeah, no, that's pretty much yeah. dead on actually. Um, and it's like, so that's meant to be for dancing traditionally. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's kind of, that actually reminded me, like when you did it, I don't know whether it's because of the tone of your voice or whatever, but it's just like, it actually reminded me of like a lot of Irish dance music yeah. as well. That's like a really similar thing, like a, a reel or something like that. Yeah, Irish music. Helps you party. Uh -huh. yeah, Irish music, yeah. Irish music. Most sure. Yeah. It's for drinking. Right? It's even got the, the occasional song, which is just like you in the corner with Passion Pop crying. Like, <laughs> Passion Pop! <laughs> like, you know you what I mean? disgust like, me. 
Yeah. One solo song about your love leaving was, the, to the sea. That seas. was like just way too specific. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then you've got all of the reels and jigs and, and like, and they're, they're called reels and jigs, right? They're Can like, I just say yeah. that that's that is, it is my favorite thing that they're basically named after how they make you feel? <laughs> just like, you know what I mean? This is, we're going to fucking spin to this. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's really cool. Um, the, so the cool thing about Irish music is it was all designed for solo players as well. So designed, I, I mean, like it developed like that. Mm-hmm. So hence why like, you know, like your classic um, traditional song, song acapella, which is actually called Shanos, by the way. Really? I hope I'm getting that pronunciation even close. But is it, is it not spelled that way? No. Nope. Like, nope. uh, sh- <laughs> Thanks, Irish. Uh, uh, Shanos, which actually means in the old style. Oh, that's so um, But it's because it's only from 200 years ago that term has been used because it's just like, oh, sing in the old style, yeah. basically. I'll have an old fashion. So um, I have a memory, by the way. Instruments were not meant to be played? No, no, instruments were, but to see, and you notice that if you listen to an Irish reel or something, mm-hmm. they're all playing something in unison. They're all like... like So they're all playing one series of things. I'm going to get up on this fucking table if you do that again. Virtually no harmony underneath it. Traditionally, mm. it was just a drone. Like modern Irish traditional music, you often have guitars playing harmony underneath mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. and it's quite works really well. But in traditional sort of um, playing, there's not a lot of that. It's kind of like one pipe doing a drone and then there's just a party happening on top or yeah. one sad woman singing. Like, or like a fair maid <laughs> in a frock. <laughs> She's got milk or something. <laughs> but the, I was going to say, the um, I, have a, I have a story about this because in 2015, I went... Um, uh, to Ireland after a, uh, a tour of Europe um, just because it was the first time I was over there and I wanted to kind of go and, you know, visit family and see where we came from and all of this sort of stuff. And I was in uh, Cork um, on the main street of Cork, which has a name. Uh, Oliver Plunkett Street? Yes. Thank you. Says the guy who hasn't been there. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I look was, at maps a lot. I was in a pub called the... Yeah, I was like, yeah, man, you can go to freaking Street View and just have a time. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was in a, a pub called the Oliver Plunkett and um, I went in just for a whiskey and just to, to be there. And it was really lively, lots of people, lots of talking and beautiful accents. I was having a great time. And then just in the corner at one of the tables was uh, a group of people with instruments and they were just practicing, I think. Mm. They were just playing together these, exactly the thing that you were talking about, that mm. really dry, driven, melodic, bright kind of unison melodies, mm. um, fast and and reeling kind of music. And I'm just sitting there like almost crying at like the the beauty of it and the fact that it, this was just a regular thing in this pub. This wasn't like them putting on a show. They were just sitting there making music and they stopped and I like had a little clap and they all looked at me like I was insane. <laughs> like it was everyone else was just going about their, their business being aided in their party They're by just the music. <laughs> <laughs> The lively, just lively. It was, it was truly amazing. And I like, uh, it's not, I, you know, I, I don't know if there's like a generational, like actual in the blood, I don't know, for <laughs> lack of a better term, race memory of, of music um, or whether it was because we were kind of raised with that in mind, but it's just like hearing those melodies hits me harder than it does my mates who weren't. Mm. Um, like whenever, like we were on, on tour and I was driving, it was my turn to drive the van and I just wanted to listen to like Chieftains or something and I put it on and after a little while the guys are like, can we li- literally please listen to anything else? <laughs> Whereas I'm sitting there just going like, this is the shit! <laughs> driving the van into a ditch, you know what I mean? Yeah, it'd be like if you grew up with Javanese gamelan and you were like, I'm going like, to, I'm, I'm, I've got the ox now like, yeah, and you I just can... crank that shit up. And like, <laughs> um, yeah, but I, I love that though because of the informality of the playing in the pub. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, we, like, yeah. It feels very, I mean, it feels very ancient in the sense that, like, I mean, obviously we've been talking about the fact that music plays a role in ritual 
uh, ceremonial elements, but how we, I mean, we, we can't really access how much music could have just been people with downtime because there was a lot more, like there, there was leisure time, mm. like, it's like we we assume that leisure time is a modern thing. They they mm. had like people ancient peoples had leisure time as well. And like how many of them were just kind of fucking around? Well, I, f- with I feel like since ever since music has been commodified as like something, and I, I'm like I don't know how far back this goes, but it's like you know people paying to see really quality performers, like mm. people that are virtuosos or whatever, to play. It kind of strikes me that it's like music has become performative in that way. And these mm. guys were not performing. They're like what was sort of beautiful about that was that it was just what they were doing. It was not music for a performative sake. It was music for music's sake, which yeah. is sick. Yeah, yeah. No, I think about, um, <laughs> I remember reading about Cork in the mid 19th century and, and there was just this story of this guy that must've been so old because he, he was like through most of the century, essentially a part of the landscape of this city. And he was just, he was like, he was basically, he was a homeless guy. Like he was mm. this old, really crusty dude who basically had nothing but a pipe, like a Wayland pipe um, and a whiskey still and just sat there and played music um, and had a bad life undoubtedly mm. all the time. But he was basically like this, this, this part of the, the landscape. And I realized it's just like, it's, there's so many ways in which music can exist as part of your world. And it's sometimes played by you, sometimes played... Um, by a crazy man on the street, and sometimes you just walk into a pub, and sometimes it's when you see the king. Yeah, and it kind of blows to, my mind. And the king needs you to think he's really important. Yeah, so <laughs> put the trumpets on; they sound like an announcement. But I said, like, music and ceremony is an interesting one because, like, uh, you said, like, going to the metal show is—it's not ceremonial, definitely, but it's kind of ritual in a way. It is, um, yeah. And there's a strong spiritual component. You would argue I, yeah, well. I think it, like spiritual is, is such a, it's frustrating that that word has been poached by both kind of, you sort know, regular wave. religion, but also, yeah. you know, the kind of, you know, like I'm a spiritual person kind of thing, because it, like, quite frankly, I'm not, you know, mm-hmm. I'm a deeply cynical <laughs> and secular human being, but like, um, wait, is it the opposite of that? No, secular man. No, yeah. I got it. Nice. Yeah, um, it. <laughs> I'm just like sitting here, just like, did I just say that I'm God? Um, <laughs> I am though. But um, I am the divine. Like, I still, I still refer to like being on stage and sharing music with people in any venue as it's like a holy place. It really is like a spiritual place. It's and it's a sanctuary where everyone feels included. Like we are one in that. There is a, a unity to us. Like when we are performing. And with the audience, we are then connected. And if you're in the crowd, you're shoulder to shoulder with other people mm. and you're sort of pressed into this thing. And if I think about the mosh, right? I think about people jumping or churning or doing something together in the mosh. And it's kind of, you become anonymous in that space. You become part of something bigger and that's part of uh, why it's an enjoyable thing. You've got this, this rhythm of the music that you are jumping to along with everyone else in this sea of people. And it, it, it does feel like unity and it's a bit scary, yeah. but it's good. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess it's like a, in, a, in a crowd, like it allows you to turn off a bit. I mean, you described yeah. it when you were saying, oh, when I clean up, it helps me turn off my brain. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of doing that in like a ceremony because it's helping you to maybe uh, feel emotion as well. Because if you think about what like we use, like music is, is almost ubiquitous in funeral ceremonies around the world. Um, it's right, like a part okay. of, it marks the moment, either like a mournful song or mm-hmm. like a song on a pipe. Um, or like some traditional practice with a traditional group or like, you know, your contemporary like 
um, 21st century ones mm. with just like playing someone's favorite songs or something that are very emotional. Yeah, people like, singing Highway to Hell in the Street outside of George Pell's funeral in Australia because <laughs> oh he was a fucking rock spider and a cunt. Yeah, so that's an interesting example. But mm. um, yeah, I just, I'm, I'm kind of interested in that because it, it means that even if it's traditional folk music or if it's playing Beautiful Day by U2, Mm. For a for a playlist of you, of of somebody's memories mm. at a funeral, like they're both serving the same function of this music and ceremony, and mm. like to allow us to feel something the same way with the stomping of the feet mm. with the ancient people. You know, you mentioned like the whole switching off of the brain thing, and sort of and and tying in with the kind of anonymity anonymity that I was uh, animosity, the anonymity <laughs> that I was that I was describing in being in a crowd. I think using again the rock show as an example, all you have to do is be at a small rock show where everyone's kind of spread out in the crowd mm. versus a shoulder to shoulder packed show before you kind of realize the the like difference that that makes to your experience as a viewer. Like again, yeah. if you're shoulder to shoulder, you are anonymous. You're part of an ocean of people experiencing the same thing at the same time. If you're at a show with 20 people and everyone's kind of spread out, there's a bit of an awkwardness to that. And you, you still, you feel pretty exposed. And so your, your emotional response to listening to this music is not as... Um, enhanced or, or like as as physical or as overwhelming as it could be. You'd be more likely to cry to show to music if you were crammed in with other people than you were if you were standing a meter away from everybody. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that just like really hits the nail on the head about the social, the in, innately social and in arguably innately human element of music mm. is that you sort of, it's enhanced by having more, experiencing it with more and more people. Like obviously you can have a, a personal an intimate experience with listening to like music on headphones, but the emotional kind of like camaraderie of everybody enjoying something together and feeling it, all feeling the same rhythm, all hearing the same sounds. Mm, yeah. You know, that's something that has been going on since music was invented, since music was developed. Yeah, and like, as we talked about at the start, like the personal music is new, like private yeah. music is mm. new. You're sitting with your headphones with your custom Spotify playlist and which feels amazing, of course. That's a really new concept. The closest you would have gotten to that in the past would have been you sitting alone with a pan flute. Playing what you like. With your ocarina, your personal <laughs> ocarina. <laughs> yeah. That everyone is provided with at birth. But I also think like talking about like playlists though. It's in your ribs. <laughs> Just got to get it out. I have no idea what's I'm going so on. I'm so sorry. I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I wasn't implying that you were born <laughs> with it, that you were given it at birth by the state. I'm so sorry, Samantha. Please continue. Oh, my God. It's completely gone. I'm so <laughs> sorry. Oh, my God. Oh, no, that's what I was going to say. Was like, There's an interesting thing, though, about there is also that drive, like, if you have like Spotify, Apple Music, you have your playlist, you have the music that you enjoy listening to. There's also that kind of inherent drive to share it with other people. Like yeah. the amount of times that I'm like, I've heard a new song today. I can't wait to show people or I can't wait to talk to it about it, talk yeah. about it. With I'm other going people. to impose my. Yes. <laughs> the amount of I have to play you this extreme <laughs> gamelan metal. I need yeah. to, which probably exists. I but I think that, that that's like, because <laughs> I don't know many people that would. Slamalan. How's it going? <laughs> I just, I, I think that that's also kind of sweet that we we still have this desire to share our music interests and like yeah. there there are ways that you can can't you on Spotify see what other people are listening to? Like there's a social. I mean, element you can turn it, it off obviously if you want to keep that totally private. But people can generally listen to it's like they see on the thing. Oh, all the people that you follow or whatever, this is what they're listening to right now. Yeah, I think that's something kind of nice because you can kind of still access other people's kind of music. And it's funny because then you could have like performative listening. 
where it's like you want people to see what you're listening to because aren't I interesting? <laughs> I'm not listening to uh, Britney Spears today. I'm just aging myself because I couldn't think of a, like a modern <laughs> pop I mean, star. Britney she was the f- slaps. She slaps. Does she slap? Yeah, she's How good. can she slap? Oh yeah, I, so so that was me thinking of what I was going to say, and it was because like so you're sharing music with other people, and like you think oh music is probably more diverse and crazy now than it ever has been, and I'm not actually sure that's actually true, because a gamelan was taken to the World Fair of Paris in what was it, 18, 1889, um, and so can you imagine, so you, you you're like French or something like you, and you're a musician. Mm-hmm. And you've been trained in this what music sounds like with the piano and accordion and a, <laughs> and a piano accordion <laughs> and that's it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's um, funny because a pan flute is actually made out of bread in France. <laughs> Terrible. What a fuck sick. Um, can you imagine hearing that for the first time as a as a, like a Western listener and you've never heard anything like it? You've never heard um, music that's been influenced by it. Whole tone scales. None of it. Um, and Claude Debussy actually did experience this and heard it for the first time and actually incorporated, started incorporating whole tone elements into his music. Yeah, which is the dreamlike kind of... Yeah, yeah, because he was just fascinated by it. He wasn't the only one. There's a whole bunch of Western composers that saw that saw this one performance and, and was went, like, what, the fuck? what was that? <laughs> like, that sounded so cool. It's like that the, is, the equivalence of like uh, George Harrison going to India and yeah. you know, meeting Ravi Shankar and then coming back and changing the Beatles sound. Yeah, yeah. and changing Western pop music in a lot mm, of ways. Yeah. Yeah, so like those differences are way bigger than I, I, would, I would argue that than the ones you would have between people's music tastes in Western music now, even the most extreme ones. Mm. Because I mean, like even like you're listening to some like fucking experimental grindcore or something. Mm. And then like Britney Spears, both of them, which are employing Western harmony, uh, Western rhythmic ideas, you know? So like, I, I'm, I'm, I love just how uh, distant music can be for such a universal idea. Yeah, how how far removed and yet how similar at the same time. Yeah, like I, I especially love the unity of that. We were talking about the overtones and how they've uh, like affected the way that people write music and experience music globally. And then from there, the adventures outside of that. It's like because we're all so separate from one another. All of the little the trails that we've taken, all of the roads that we've been on, have totally developed and changed that to the point where we can come together. Then in 1889, after being so separate from one another for so long, and all of, and blow each other's minds yeah. with the directions that we've taken. Um, and I think I think that's fucking sick. I think I think that it's like we could probably tie it together there. We could probably talk about music for about another day. Um, Let's do it again next week. <laughs> yeah, we do this every week. Um, the same thing. First we do. Erase the episode. Every <laughs> um, but uh, down the track, I'd love to do some more episodes that are. Um, genre specific or, or something like, cause we could probably talk about folk music for a whole episode. We could definitely yeah. talk about metal. I mean, I could talk about progressive metal for a very long time. Um, just Debussy, let's just do one. Just Debussy. Claude Debussy, just done. Um, but I mean, I, I think the big takeaway from today is is kind of the the unifying nature of music, whether it's, you know, your anonymity at a rock show or the knowledge that all of the music that we create or all the music that you hear is is fundamentally based on things that happened to us before we were human and the way that um, we developed to communicate. Like it is a fundamental form of communication, which means that even if you as a listener right now are not a musician and you don't make music and you don't think that you're musical in any way, any single time 
that you've been listening to music walking down the street and you start walking to the beat of the music and you are unified with that, that is music. You are mm. making music, you're participating in music. And I, I think the the great and final example that I'm going to give is the fact that even people who self-professed can't sing, sing in the shower. It's important and it's important to all of us and it's important to me. So thanks very much for listening, everybody. This has been a really fun episode. As usual, twice, in fact, it's been double the fun for us. <laughs> Um, just a reminder that yes we do have a Patreon now you can check it out at patreon.com slash T-M-I-E podcast if you want to support us if you want to give us a follow on Instagram it's at the music and everything podcast it's been really fun hanging out with you again welcome to season two we've got plenty more fun to come but for now it's goodbye from me and the Sams goodbye everyone bye bye take care of each other sing a song and we'll talk to you soon